Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss sustainable productivity and habit formation while avoiding the allure of hustle culture. Every episode, we interview guests who have a solid productivity and habit game and pass the learnings on to you, our wise and benevolent audience. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Joey. Hi, I'm Joey, a habits and focus coach, perpetual student of psychology, and perpetually on a quest to a one-armed chin-off. And I'm Jeremy. I'm a neurodiverse software developer turned startup founder, building habit and focus software for people with ADHD. My cool party trick is leaving parties early, so I get to sleep on time to do my three-hour-long morning routine. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Happy New Year. It's 2023 and we're back with a special episode on goal setting. Hey, Joey. Hey, Jerry. What do you reckon about goal setting? Is it a, a good concept in general? I know that you have a, a bit of an interesting take on it, different from the way that most people do it. You don't set normal New Year's resolutions. Tell us about that. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for calling it an interesting take rather than a rant. I, I appreciate that. I generally set goals, well, annual goals anyway, from birthday to birthday rather than New Year to New Year. And my whole take on it is that I feel like setting it at New Year's is a bit arbitrary. And I feel like if you really cared about the goal, you probably wouldn't wait until some arbitrary point in time to, to set it. What do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I still do set my goals in the, the normal calendar configuration starting from January 1. Mm-hmm. But I like the concept of the 12-week year where the author argues that you can actually get a lot done if you compress the time frame. Mm. that if you have your goals set for a whole year, there's always a tendency to procrastinate until about October. And then suddenly from October to December, you get a lot done. Yeah. So, if instead of having the horizon being 12 months, having it set for three months or 12 weeks, I find quite effective. Interesting. I never, I never actually um, read that book before. Twelve, twelve week year was so twelve week year was it? Yeah, I mean, it's basically three hundred pages of basically saying set your goals for twelve weeks. Got it. Got it. I guess um, it's it's really interesting when people talk about compressing goals and Parkinson's law. And I guess for um, should I just do a quick rundown on what Parkinson's law is? Mm. Ba- basically, the idea that the the time that you set for it when you when you set a certain amount of time for a task the task the demands of the task will inflate to fill those to fill that space so mm. if you say to yourself i'm going to take a month to create a blog a blog post ultimately you will keep fiddling with it and polishing it until that your deadline is up and then you got to post it whereas if you were to set yourself a deadline of a week or maybe even 20% of that time, 20% of a month, would, which would be 
help me out, Jess. It's like four days or something. Put you on the spot there. Um, but yeah, so like if you if you compress that to be 20% of the time, you probably get like 80% of the result as the Pareto theory goes. And so, mm. yeah, I guess, and then, and then it's always contrasted with the idea of whenever you're setting an estimate, double it <laughs> because mm. we're really bad at forecasting time. So I, I, I often find those two quite difficult to resolve. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I do find it quite helpful to set artificial deadlines. Mm. One tactic that I've been employing recently is I joined this program called Pioneer, which is a pre-accelerator program for startups. And one aspect that I really like is they have a leaderboard and they have weekly accountability where at the start of the week, you tell them what you're going to achieve. And then at the end of the week, you report in about how much you achieved and then based on whether you hit your goals or not, people actually vote you up or down. So, there's oh. quite a strong motivation to get things done. I guess you could cheat and just say you did it when you didn't do it. It's an I'm not that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. It defeats the purpose of it. Like, in, I guess it's yeah. like a voluntary to join up to it. And then if you're just going to cheat, then it defeats the purpose of volunteering, right? It's not like someone's forcing mm. you into it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I, I do find that it helps me to get out of that perfectionistic mindset mm. of I need to keep feeling with the blog post because I often do have blog posts as part of my weekly goals. Yeah, I've sure. been for a while. I've been trying to do five per week Whoa. and I, I have writers to help me. So it's not like oh. I'm doing the writing myself. It, I'm the, the bottleneck in terms of editing them, Got it. but five is pretty easy if they're quite short articles. I see. Though now we've been trying to do much longer ones, which are three or 4,000 words. And I've decided three per week is a bit more achievable there. But anyway, getting back to the point, I, I do find that having that weekly check-in, it does definitely cause me to, to get more done. Because mm. otherwise, without having that urgency, the not urgent yet important tasks, I just tend to put them off until later. But what I've been using this program for is that I'm actually putting some of those non-urgent or the, the quadrant two tasks up as my weekly goals. Yeah. And suddenly they have urgency, even though in the real world, there's nothing particularly urgent about them besides mm -hmm. the fact that I've just held myself accountable. So, I do, I, I do believe in that in terms of Parkinson's law yep. and trying to use it in our favor. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like the whole accountability aspect of it as well. Social proof, all the good mm. stuff. And I've tried that before. I mean, we were doing accountability buddy systems before with Stick. Mm. And I, I found that helpful, though also a bit painful with the Stick concept where if you don't do it, then I have to donate money to a anti-charity. I found that <laughs> very, very motivating. But also in the end, I was starting to cheat. Yeah. I think I needed a, a different system where instead of me being the judge of whether I did the activity or not, I probably needed to use a system where I, I have to submit evidence that I actually Ooh. did make it to bed on time, whatever my habit was at the time that I was trying to stick to. And do you do that for your current accountability group? Or is that something that you're aspiring? Is that an aspiring type goal? I haven't been doing it, but for some reason, I haven't been motivated to cheat. <laughs> very good and I am honest as well I don't always complete all of the goals but normally I'll get them at least 50% done nice the one. key thing is getting some momentum and I guess how important is it for you 
assuming you're not already at the top, how important is it for you to get to the top? Like, do you feel a, do you feel a compulsion to do that, or does it just feel like internet points for you? It does. I'm I'm really a sucker for leaderboards. Ah, uh, yeah. With Duolingo, I'm that's the main reason that I spend ten minutes per day on the app because I want to retain my position in the leaderboard, in the diamond leaderboard. I just made it there in the last couple of weeks. Oh, congratulations! Very well done. <laughs> yep, congratulations on the internet points. <laughs> And I guess for this one, the, the leaderboard does have a bit more significance because the idea is that if you get to the top 10, then the accelerator will actually consider your application mm. and then they might give you funding. Oh. So it, it has a bit more of a, a dimension to it there. That's rather really than just cool. Arbitrary points. I like it. That's really cool. Mm. How, how did you, how did you uh, find out about this accelerator? They emailed me. I think they just look online for new startups and there wasn't anything particularly special about me. It's not like they, I'm pretty sure they have a very wide net. Uh, I think you're very they special, have. Jess. <laughs> Thanks, Joey. One thing I wanted to talk about in terms of goals was yeah. James Clear's attitude where he says that goals are overrated mm. and that instead we should look to build systems mm -hmm. that will actually move us towards the the same end result as if we had set a goal. Yeah. He argues that there's a bit of a, a downside of setting goals where after you achieve the goal, there's a tendency to then just slack off and yep. say you, you train for a marathon and then you did it. What next? And then maybe there's nothing after that and you just stop training altogether. Yeah. Whereas if the the system is more that I'm going to train this much every week and I don't care as much about the end result. He argues that that's a better mindset to adopt. Mm. What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with a, a lot of what you and James Clear say. I just stole it from James Clear. Oh, I, was, I, was going to, I was going to say like, but I'm not sure what to attribute to James Clear and what to attribute to Jeremy. Uh, but yeah, like, so I agree with everything you say. So I'll, I guess I'll just probably try to say like, certain things in defense of goals, maybe, which are okay. that I think goals provide a good point at which to reset and basically say, okay, well, are these systems and habits that I've put in place, are they actually working for me? Because I guess like I, some clients will come to me and they'll say like, I want, I want to establish a, a, a habit of like some weight loss habit or something like maybe counting calories or, or something. And it's important to basically say like, but why, why do you actually want this? And some, some people, some people are just like, I want to, I want to have more energy. And I feel like, I feel like carrying all this extra weight is, is impeding that. And I'm not, I'm not a nutritionist. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to debate that with them. Uh, but some, some, some other people will say like my, my partner or spouse, they call me fat or they, they, the way they look at me, I don't like the way they look at me or something. And in which case that's not, I, I don't think that's a great goal because like extrinsic benefits mm. tend to tend to fade with time and and sometimes partners and spouses do as well. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, you can always get a new partner and new parents. Exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, my my cynicism aside, I guess yeah. So I I think I think goals are good in that they they provide a they can provide a good north star like uh, as in they can provide you a good. You might, you might have these habits in, in place and they can tell you whether you're actually pr proceeding in the direction you want to. Cause like you might have this habit to like read, read a book every week or something, but 
if you're just doing it for the sake of fulfilling that habit and really your your covert goal was to to be more knowledgeable or something or i and you're just reading like some trash fiction every week uh, like i'm not saying all fiction's trash i'm just saying some trash fiction uh mm. it's probably not going to get you further towards your goal but you might have this false sense of security that oh i'm like getting this habit and when you fulfill a habit you get this this sense of dopamine which strengthens the habit as well and so it can be a, a pretty um it can be a pretty like i guess untethered uh existence and untethered actually sounds pretty cool uh what, what i'm trying to say is like uh basically you've got a habit but you've got no direction directionless i mm. guess directionless achievement uh and so habits without or systems without goals goals without systems maybe you need both of them to to truly uh move in the direction you want what are your thoughts mm. yeah definitely that would be what i would criticize the systems only approach as well it made me think about the concept of OKRs. I've been reading a book recently called Radical Focus, mm. where it talks about objectives and key results, which is a form of goal setting for the business world. Mm. And it, it's contrasted with the standard goal setting approach, where normally you might say, our goals for the year are we're going to deliver this feature, we're going to finish the new accounting integration and we'll be happy if we do those things. Mm, mm. But that's not really the purpose there, the, the outcome that the business is probably looking for by doing those projects is maybe to get more customers or to increase profit. Mm, mm. And it could be that halfway through the quarter, you actually realize we don't really need this accounting integration anymore. It's not going to move the needle in terms of propelling us towards the the overall vision that we have. But if you've committed to it and it's... Maybe if you're a public company and you almost have to adhere to the goals that you set, that can be quite harmful. Whereas the idea of OKRs is you say that my the objective, say going back to what you were saying before, the objective is to have more energy. And it might be that the theory is that by losing weight that you would have more energy. But it might be that, say, five weeks in, you've lost three kilograms and you don't feel any improvement in energy. And then you can take an opportunity and recalibrate and reflect on what am I missing here? Maybe you've been really severely calorie restricting and that is actually decreasing energy. Mm, and it mm. might be better to actually slow down the weight loss and just have more exercise throughout the day. That might actually lead to more energy levels and it might make it more sustainable. Mm, or so get more the right up. calories. Yeah, yeah, maybe having fewer of the, the the crash and burn calories could be better. Yeah, that's right, that's right, and yeah. So I think I think with that objective of of having more energy, also having key results in there, like, and I think I think it's important to set these key results before you get too far down the track, so you actually know how how you're going to to measure success. So it could be the case mm. that. Okay, like I've got a personal best of X amount of burpees in a set, so I want to be able to two X that or three X that by the end of the quarter, or some some other like um some other goal that will help you figure out whether you're on track. And it's key results mm. plural, so you can have more than one as well. Mm. Is that your goal for the year? Two X your burpees? No, not to two X my burpees. No, I <laughs> I actually do set personal OKRs 
if like we, mm-hmm. we can we can go into those but i think we're gonna are, are we gonna is this a good time to talk about our personal goals or should we talk about them later on as good a time as any okay sure sure so my i've got um five five okrs and they are designed to actually counterbalance each other as well so and I guess the, the balance is between me sitting at my desk hacking away versus not being at my desk hacking away, which sometimes doesn't feel as safe as uh, being at my desk hacking away. So the first OKR is around my product that I'm building at the moment and I've launched, which is, I guess we'll talk about it later, which is my habit building course. And I want to get to 10 testimonials by the end of summer. And also every month to really feel like I've helped someone with the habit building course. And so far for December and January, I can put a big tick on that. On that, and the the testimonials are are in the works currently. But uh, yeah, so those are my key results for for the product. Uh, and the objective of the product is for it to be profitable, profitable, uh, measured by the amount of traction it's getting by testimonials by helping people. Does that does that hang together for you? Mm. Yeah, cool. How how did you phrase the objective? Because they often talk about objectives needing to be phrased in a really inspirational way, whereas the key results are quite metric focused. Yeah, sure. So it's it's basically that one. That one is probably isn't phrased terribly sharply. It's just um, I want I want the product to be six um, to be um, sorry. I want the product to be profitable by the end by the um, my next birthday in November. Okay. And how do you define profit? Is that just based on the hosting costs? It is. Or your time? It's no, it's it's just it's a it's a money figure. So it's um like what is it? It's uh twenty five k per year, and actually I can't remember if that was revenue or net profit. Anyway, <laughs> I probably I probably should be clearer on these given that given that these are um guiding my year. But uh also I guess the the other thing is it's not my only OKR as well. So it's None of these are essentially tattooed on my forehead. I tend to just like check in on them at the end of every week. So I don't have to, I don't have to remember them. I've got, got them written down. So that's, um, yeah, it's, it's something really good about having regular check-ins, I think, which I, which I definitely uh, recommend. The next one is what I call brain food, which is basically the idea, like I've got this pipeline through which ideas make it into my brain or to my long-term, um, long-term, long-term storage, my second brain. And so that's either podcasts or blog posts or conversations with people. And they, they go through different stages of processing through my, through my pipeline and then eventually into synthesis, like in the form of blog posts that I write or podcasts that I put out. And so the key results for that are my, um, like how much stuff I've actually got on my backlog. So, cause I've got like this massive backlog of podcasts and, and things that I wanted to uh, have a slow listen to. And then the, the other key result is in terms of engagement. So how much, how much people are listening to my, to my episodes. Uh, sometimes it's vanity metrics, like how many likes I get on LinkedIn, uh, how many followers I might have on the page. Uh, but it, will hopefully also translate in terms of how many signups I'm getting to my newsletter and how many signups I get to my products as well. Okay. So it's a, a mixture of both what you're taking in and what you're putting out as well. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, a throughput 
in terms of the the pipeline so nothing is getting clogged and also like the the end product as well i was gonna make some analogy about brain food ingestion and i'm trying to think about what the the other side of it is going to be <laughs> defecation rainbow colored poop <laughs> <laughs> that's it the third one so the, the brain food and the product ones are the ones where I could potentially see myself tied to my desk. Uh, and so the, the following are things that are uh, a bit more for counterbalance. So the third, the third OKR is what I call movement, which is, I, I guess I call it movement because I couldn't think of a, a better way to explain it. But it's basically going out into the world and interacting with people physically. So seeing people face to face and maybe going out and doing some social dancing or some acro yoga or um, wrestling or martial arts or something, just basically being in my body with people. And so that the, the key result for that is how many times have I done that in the week? It's very easy to measure that. Like how many, how many times have I had physical contact with people? So um, that's pretty easy. That's pretty easy to measure. It's also about me moving myself, so being better at controlling my own body, getting to the one-armed chin-up, the one-armed push-up. I can I can actually do one-armed chin-up. Uh, I can actually do one-armed push-ups at the moment. My form isn't that great, but uh, I can I can do those at the moment. And uh, yeah, just being able to re- what I call like just really master master the limits of my own body. So um, key results there are like how many how many uh, challenging calisthenics can I do? And uh, there's certain people I'd like to wrestle that are, that are bigger than me. And I like to uh, see how many times I can make them tap out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Is the, in terms of advanced calisthenic moves is a a single arm handstand push up on the agenda for 2023 or 2024? Not, not for 2023. That might be a 2024 thing. At the moment I am struggling a little bit with the, the upside down. I, I call them upside down upside down push-ups at the moment because i think some calisthenics purists would argue with me that doing doing them against the wall does not make them a handstand so i'll just say upside down upside down uh, <laughs> upside down push-ups yeah so next step would be to get an upside down one armed upside down push-up uh rolls off the tongue doesn't it <laughs> Is that even possible? I've, One arm. For a while, I spent some time on YouTube looking at people doing handstand push-ups and couldn't really see anyone who seemed to successfully do it. Most most of them were doing it against the wall. I would think. And even then, oh, it looked I, pretty... The form didn't look good. I feel like I've seen people do handstand push-ups before. Probably yeah, handstand with, with both hands. Oh, with both hands. De- oh, definitely one. seen that, but mm, haven't seen anyone... In yeah. my opinion, do a, a really clean one-handed handstand push-up. No, no, I can't say I've seen that either. Yeah, it must be a balancing, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Aspirational? But any step in that direction yeah. would involve yeah. massive strength and power. Yeah, yeah, and coordination. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's the that's the movement. And then mindfulness is the fourth one. And so that's, that's basically... Um, the objective is to increase my capacity to be, to be mindful, to be able to, to zoom out and not take life too seriously, especially when I'm embroiled in some emotional drama, to be able to just like zoom out and, and just say like, is this going to matter next week or next month? And so my key results for that is self-reported uh, quality of meditation, like um, my depth. So I basically write myself some notes after, after, medita- 
after meditating. Also, the frequency at which I meditate. So, how many how many times do I like bring myself to it? Am I am I at least making my bare minimum every day? And also, like how how I interact with people. How my, how many times was I curious with people when when I was feeling like upset or overwhelmed? Like, did I was I curious or was I did I get defensive and and upregulated? So. These are things that I just check in on every every week on myself, and yeah, so that's that's mindfulness. And the the um, lucky last one is art. So uh, do I call it art or creativity? I can't remember. I think I think I call it art, but it it is really art and creativity. So it's it's basically how much have I produced this this week, uh, and also how much am I challenging myself? For example trying to play a technically technically challenging song on the guitar. Uh, like, I might be only able to play it at a slow speed initially. Am I increasing that? Is it still clean? And also various art projects that I have in play, like uh, this year creating some paintings for some some birthdays that are coming up for some very important people in my life. So it's, um, yeah, that that's... The, the key results of that is is production essentially and production that like I guess objectively it's like how much am I creating and subjectively how good am I feeling about it so those are, that's my that's my year the compass for my year <laughs> yeah right quite a lot in there yeah yeah which of them do you think is going to be the most challenging the product because this is just like a, a couple of times before I've created products uh, but I haven't haven't necessarily tried to sell them. Whereas with this product, I am, I'm trying to, I'm trying to sell it because I think it's a great product and I think it can really help people. Whereas previously it was just like, oh, I'll just build it and I'll just build it. And like, if people know what's good for them, they'll, they'll, they'll pick it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for, for the products, I think the sales and marketing piece is going to be difficult for me, but um, I'm willing to take it on. Hmm. And we'll include a link in the show notes so you can check it out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let's do that. Awesome. Maybe throughout the year, we can do some check-ins about how we're progressing. I have a bit of a a different approach to how I'm setting my OKRs, mainly influenced by the book Radical Focus, where she talks about that there's a, a pattern maybe from the other OKR book, Measure What Matters, where in that book, it is encouraged to have multiple objectives and many key results where she argues that OKRs should only be quarterly and there should only be one. And I quite like that approach. She argues that for in terms of keeping things balanced, instead of setting them as separate objectives and key results, that they should instead be health metrics. And that's the way that I'm approaching it, that I, I have done my, my visions for every area of my life. I've actually not sure whether it will be visible, but I've I've drawn them out. My wife and I had fun with some textures and pencils on January 1st. And that that was helpful in terms of thinking about where do I want to be in each domain. We also did a life wheel exercise where we reflected on the different parts of our lives and gave each other a score on how am I doing in my work, how am I doing in my fitness, in my health, in my romantic relationship, in my family, with my friendships. And then based on that, I decided to focus 
for this quarter on the area where I had the, the lowest self-reported score. And we also rated each other. And that, that ended up being that my, my lowest domain was my relationship with my wife. That it, it's not terrible. It's not like we're going to get divorced and we don't hate each other or anything. But there was just some, a lack of, lack of quality time and also me not doing enough with the household chores. So that's actually my, my objective for this quarter to be a better husband. And I've been translating that into some changes in my schedule, making sure that I am doing some chores during the day and especially in the evening and spending more quality time having more regular date nights because we'd both been getting quite busy over the last, especially at the end of 2022, my wife is doing her master's and has, is starting a new job. And I've also been getting busy with my day job and focus bear. And it's been important that we're a bit more intentional about it. So it's, it's on both of our radars. She also didn't get a perfect score either. <laughs> and we're, we're going to be working on that. The mindset there is that the other areas of my life that are actually tracking pretty well, and I, I don't feel like I need to consciously think about them. The flywheel is spinning and I'm making progress and momentum and I don't really need those other areas to, to really have much intentionality to them. I'm very, it's very easy for me to motivate myself around work. I'm that kind of person where that's my both one of my positive traits and also one of my negative traits, mm. but the, the other areas I can neglect. And by putting this one as my top priority for Q1, it's already having some benefits where both feeling happier about the amount of time we're spending together and feeling happier about the cleanliness of the house. I do still have health metrics around my fitness in terms of how much am I running, how much am I cycling, how many hit workouts am I doing every week. But they've basically, they've become more systems rather than goals. I've, I've got them pretty dialed in. I'm doing them every day. The only real change, I guess, would be that I've got, I still have got, I've got some intentions around where I'd like to be with my, my fitness that, I'd like to be able to bench press my own weight by the end of the year and I'd like to be able to run 5k in under 18 minutes. But I think that the actions that I'm, I'm taking now in terms of doing multiple interval workouts per week and doing weights basically most days, they're getting me in that direction and I don't need to worry too much about, about being super intentional about them. Mm. And then I've got, yeah, also health metrics around the amount of deep work that I'm doing and how much meditation, how much Chinese I'm learning, other concepts like that. Mm. And I'm pretty sure in, say, in April, when I look at what my Q2 goals or Q2 OKRs will be, I will adjust things a little bit. Yep. And it might be, hopefully, that everything is humming along really nicely in the, the relationship front and that will become more of a health metric and I'll f find a, a different domain that I want to focus on for Q2. Yeah, nice one. So if I'm understanding correctly, you basically categorize your OKRs into two categories, like you 
there's two categories to your OKRs. One is the focus, and the other one, the, all the others get uh, relegated in a sense to health metrics. So they are more of a monitoring thing, and the focus one is more for intentional. This is something that we're going to put everything behind. Is that right? I'd say I've got OKRs, which are the ones around the relationship, and then I've got visions for the year, and I've got health metrics. Got it. We'll see how it will all fit together. Yeah, definitely. Excited to see. The other thing that maybe you, you didn't mention in terms of potentially part of your, your brain food and your regurgitation or your defecation of creativity is the new season of Fulcrum. Yeah. Do you want to tell the, our audience about that? Yeah, sure thing. So th- thanks, for, thanks for that intro. <laughs> nothing, nothing, like, nothing like making an intro after defecation, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, so... The I guess just on what we're talking about with goals, I've I've recently produced some episodes on goal setting, and so the last three episodes were on a different approach to goal setting other than using the SMART framework, and specifically it's targeting the like after the setting. Uh, often people focus on the setting of the goals, but they don't design the other stages, which is the evaluation part which is like how do you know you're going to how do you know that you're on track and how often are you going to check and the execution part which is all about managing your motivation so like when you reach the inevitable dip what what strategies tactics are you are you going to use to get yourself back on track so if you are looking for an alternate strategy or approach to smart goals i know i am i i cringe a little bit whenever people say make that goal smart <laughs> uh i would i would encourage checking out those episodes and we I, we can put those links in the show notes can't we just hmm. yeah thank you and the the fulcrum podcast episodes are, are normally very bite-sized yeah and less than 10 minutes very very rich <laughs> yeah thanks uh and yes yeah, so as as jez alluded to as well uh season two of the fulcrum is coming out very soon so that is all about habits and intentionality so the idea is habits are very powerful However, they can also run our life and before we know it, weeks, months, a whole year can pass if we run our life completely habitually. And so the idea is intentionality is important as well. But if we were to make our life completely intentional, we probably wouldn't have enough. We we probably wouldn't be able to make a decision by mid-morning because we're just decision fatigued. And so... It is it is important that part of our life is, does does run on autopilot, and but it is also important that we are intentional with parts of our lives. And season season two is all about exploring that balance. So if that interests you, tune in. It's coming soon. I don't have a release date yet, but expected sometime twenty twenty three. Fantastic. Ah, thank you. Any parting words or asks of our audience? <laughs> <laughs> I I would also ask that if you. If like if you listen to the fulcrum and you find it interesting, or if you if you're listening to this and find it interesting, there's quite a bit of overlap between I guess focus and chill and the fulcrum. Uh, I've got a newsletter called the Plucky Messenger, and uh, we'll put a link to sign up to that in the in the show notes. And I've also got my habits building course I, I launched a couple of weeks ago. So if what we've talked about sounds interesting to you and you'd like to build better habits using a slow and steady approach, please sign up and I'll send you some more information. Wonderful. 
And my ask will be that if you're using Windows or Android, you can check out the new version of the Focus Bear app. We're now on two more platforms. Uh, Focus Bear's growing up so quick. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap the show with that. Have a great 2023. Woohoo! Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled, and peace out.